The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. This episode of the Ringer F1 show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. It is the Ringer F1 Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark. On NFL Sunday, it is in the middle of the afternoon games. I've never recorded a podcast, an F1 podcast like this, during NFL games, but I'm so happy to be talking to Spanners. Hello, Spanners. I'm happy to speak to you, but oh my goodness, last time I spoke to you, how wrong were you saying that saying that the Austin Grand Prix was the worst US no. track, if not the worst track ever. It's so good. The racing is so good here. Just to remind everybody, <laughs> I was making a big point on how I like Austin. And Spanners, this is what a host does, this is what a no. media professional does. He spun it to Lies. be, he's Mr. Austin, and I'm Mr. Miami and Las Vegas. It's yeah. not true. It's not true. I'm beating the allegations. I no, love we- Austin. We can talk about who was wrong about Austin being terrible until the cows come home, Kevin. But that was such a great race. And I was so optimistic as well about this race with the new regulations and the cars being able to follow more. And I have to say, we were really rewarded up into turn one. We saw so many strategic battles because so many times they arrived at corners close enough to race. So we saw cars trying to go around the outside. We saw Mm -hmm. cutbacks. We saw a brilliant dummy from Leclerc where where it looked like he was going to do a tight squeeze into the apex, but actually the whole time he was looking at the cutback. Uh, and I think we saw Verstappen, Hamilton and Leclerc racing really well, not to mention Sebastian Vettel and Lando Norris as well. And it was all throughout the track, that tight, twisty Suzuka mimic in sector one. A lot of years that has been a little bit follow my leader, but this year there was loads of great passes there as well. So, I mean, I enjoyed my Sunday telly, Kev. But was there a fake marina? No, real water, a, a real classy move. Got to hand it to him. Mm, I don't know. Um, all right, so Max Verstappen wins the United States Grand Prix in Austin. In doing so, he won his 13th race, equaling Michael Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel, the aforementioned Sebastian Vettel, who had a great 
drive today and was in the mix and could have even done uh, some greater things had some a little bit of misfortune not fallen upon him. We're going to get to that. Um, obviously, Red Bull's thoughts this weekend were with Dietrich Matasic, uh, the founder of Red Bull, the drink, a uh, billionaire who founded the F1 team. Um, there's some really great anecdotes at the beginning of of that team um, and Adrian Newey's book and elsewhere about just how much he wanted to invest in his dream and did. He went out and and kind of did what every other team has, has, a lot of other teams have struggled to do, which is uh, set a bar, win a world championship. Um, and, you know, this is one of the hardest sports in the world to to separate yourself in it. In and he he did it. Um, and so he's a giant in the sport. You saw that in the comments of Christian Horner talking a lot. Pretty much his entire post-race press conference was about it and the dream he had. Um, Toto Wolf obviously said that the cost cap stuff is needs to be tabled right now because Red Bull just needs needs to mourn. Um, and obviously recognized his his contributions to the, to the sport. Um, so yeah, I, that was uh, you know obviously I think to younger fans, fans who haven't gotten uh, who hadn't gotten into it until the last couple of years, they don't understand how impactful Dietrich was um, and what a shock to the system it was for him to found this team and and have so much success. Um, but yeah, he his passing uh, certainly uh, put put a cloud over this weekend. Um, Red Bull clinched the constructor championship. Um, were you surprised, Spanners, that a a championship was given in F one? Just kind of, you know, without any without any. If it wasn't given five minutes after via Johnny Herbert press conference, it was just like, <laughs> oh, they won, they won this, and we, we knew it, we knew it going going into it. Just in a normal conventional way where yeah. everyone knew what was going to happen. Uh, yeah, and it's good, and it's it's definitely a well deserved. Drivers' championship controversy aside, and cost cap stuff aside, um, you can't argue that that team has not been slick and on it. And I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest examples of how good Red Bull have been is that when they made the pit stop error with Max Verstappen, like the one pit stop error I can think of this season, Verstappen just seemed completely flummoxed by it. He's like, "What? How could how could it not be?" <laughs> immediately perfect like it always is that's actually a big compliment i think to to red bull if that happened to a ferrari driver i don't think they'd even blink that would just be part of their normal day today but yeah absolutely ferrari uh, red bull have been uh, amazing all season uh, you know congratulations to them for picking up the drivers championship a fitting tribute there will have been a lot of people i think newer fans watching this wondering mm-hmm. why there was such a big deal uh, about Dieter Masashitz, uh, uh but he was a giant in Red Bull, 51% owner. I think I'm not a business mm-hmm. guy of Red Bull. Really did kind of champion a lot of extreme sports. And you look at his effect in motorsport, I think you can credit eight of the driver's careers on the grid at some point to his legacy in the Red Bull Junior program. And I know there's a lot of people saying, hey, what about the cost cap review? I mm-hmm. want to see the results of the cost cap review as well. But some things are a little bit bigger than F1. I, I don't think... It's going to hurt anyone massively just to wait a few days. They are talking about Wednesday to resume that. Yeah, that, that stuff will all, <clears throat> will all get resolved. But yeah, for, for right now, it's a it's a different type of weekend for Red Bull, even though they clinched the Constructors' Championship. All right, let's sort of get to where this race was won and lost because I felt like it, it, it felt like everything was trending towards Lewis Hamilton from the time the Max Verstappen has that slow pit. He yells at his team. 
there's wind, all <laughs> that stuff. And then you start to see the gap closing and closing and closing. By lap 51, the gap had closed all the way. How did you process this race, Banners? I, well, actually, yeah, you say, yeah, from the point that they had the botched pit stop and suddenly Verstappen is having to come through Leclerc and Hamilton now. But before that, I think what might have been missed was that Hamilton had closed up, obviously, due to the first safety car, which was Bottas. Bottas, wasn't it? Bottas mm-hmm. beaching it after having it wonderful fun. adventures, getting rudely sideswiped by Sergio Perez, and then I think dropping it on his own and ending up in the, the gravel, which was it's a, such a shame. Really promising weekend for mm-hmm. Alfa Romeo as well, and it just didn't materialise. But after that first safety car restart, actually, Hamilton looked all right. He got into a distance that means... You're not kind of over pushing your tires or overcooking the tires. And they they seemed okay hovering in this two-second area. And then the call came, the famous call, Hammer Time, which is code mm-hmm. for from his race, his race engineer, uh, Peter Bonington Bono, to say, right, we are coming in. Make sure you do a quick lap so that we can attempt the undercut, basically. So he did a quick lap, closed into about 1.6, 1.7 seconds, and you go, hmm, there is actually a little bit of, of pace, genuine pace here in the in the Mercedes. And I think that's what they were going for. And it's almost a shame there was the botched pit stop from Max Verstappen, because it would have been interesting to see, could they, with a lap on the fresher hard tyres, have closed that gap and come out side by side with Verstappen? Because Mercedes, once we're in the, the hard tyre territory we're more in Mercedes wheelhouse. Once we're in multi-tire mm-hmm. stop territory, we're more in Mercedes wheelhouse. So we kind of got robbed of, of that little battle. Agree. Um, I want to talk about Mercedes a little bit here because there was a level of, I wouldn't say defiance, bordered, bordered on that, but it was more of extreme confidence that I haven't seen out of them in a couple of months. You saw it flare up a little bit in the late spring, where they said, okay, we're getting closer. We're going to figure this out. And you saw, so Toto Wolf afterwards was talking to Danica Patrick, and, and he was saying that you can basically trace the I mistakes saw. made yeah. this year to, to a silly mistake they made last October. One decision, and that One is heartbreaking, decision. yeah. So he's basically saying, we thought we could run this car flat to the ground, and I'm not yep. an aerodynamicist, um, but I'm assuming that that meant they thought with ground effect, they could basically seal up the right. the aero flow around the the floor and kind of be sucked to the ground and therefore, you know, have that aerodynamic effect where they can just absolutely go on rails around corners. Mm-hmm. I think the reality is, and you saw it with the porpoising, is that that, that aim is too difficult and they were breaking mm-hmm. away from the track too often. Uh, but yeah, they did seem confident. And what I liked was they were in attack mode and being interviewed yep. before before the race, someone asked them, Oh, do you do you think you'll split strategies and go for the attack? And there was just this glint in Toto Wolf's eye, which was, yes, this is exactly yeah. what we're going to do. We're going to roll the dice. We're going to be aggressive. And I think I'd love to see that from from Mercedes in general because they've been the defending champions with everyone coming at them, and they've played very political games. They've been nicey nicey. I believe, and I, I be, can be proved wrong. I believe. In the early hybrid era, they held back upgrades because it was looking mm-hmm. too dominant. So they used to kind of be. I, I honestly, right? Honestly, I would love someone to tell me I'm wrong about that. I think they did that. 2014, 2015, 2016. It was starting to look embarrassing how far ahead they were. I think they had a draw full of front wings, and when someone closed in, they went, "Oh, new one! Off we go again." Uh, so 
in 2021, that philosophy with Verstappen attacking them, they were still very much with this kid glove attitude. I, I would love to see a resurgent Mercedes being aggressive, going for it, dropping some of the, the, the political niceness and just going, yeah, we're in this to win, we're in this to attack. And I include Lewis Hamilton in that, who stated, I treat Max Verstappen yep. differently to other drivers. He's got to stop doing that. So afterwards... Lewis was asked about that, and he said that he knows now when they build a car, he will take it to the top. That's what that's what he said. And part of that is just putting the onus on his team to figure it out over the next six mm -hmm. months. Toto mentioned they're going to have more wind tunnel time. Um, although I don't really, I mean, how much more? Oh, you're, <laughs> I'm excited by this. <laughs> how, how much? Yeah. Of a difference is, is it between Red Bull and Mercedes? <laughs> It's a great question because uh, I think people undervalue how much wind tunnel time will affect the team. There's right. a bit of a success ballast. So if you win the team's championship, you get less wind tunnel time. So right. now next season, Mercedes will get less, uh, will get more wind tunnel time than Red Bull. And you could just see Total Wolf stopping and pausing to say whether he should mention the rumored 25% reduction in wind tunnel time that Red Bull might get from this cost cap brief as well. He paused for long enough, thought about it and said, no, I won't mention it. But he was very adamant that they're going to have this development advantage over, over Red Bull. 25%, if they do end up being penalized, that wind tunnel time, Red Bull this is, from the cost cap, is massive. I saw a lot of people mm -hmm. saying that it would be a bit of a slap on the wrist, way more than a slap on the wrist. Craig Scarborough on Twitter, a fantastic tech guy, said that that might put them out of the top three. So Mercedes might be feeling a little bit better about next season if they go, right, our main competitors are Ferrari, we mm -hmm. probably think we know how to handle beating Ferrari. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see it. I'm intrigued to see it. And, and I, I hope that listen, I, I like it's the most basic thing in the world to say, but like, I hope there's a title race next year. And, and that, yeah. that could mean anything. Um, speaking of people who weren't in the title race this year, uh, Ferrari. So Carlos Sainz goes out almost immediately. Um, Leclerc's in the mix. Uh, just describe their day-to-day -day spanners. I mean, it was, uh, it was strange. I want to focus in on one American fan who was in the stands and had obviously gone to huge lengths to make Brad a Pitt? big... No, not Brad Pitt. Uh, no, he was there. Was Brad Pitt at the Grand Prix? Hardly anyone mentioned it. But this one fan had, brought this, <laughs> had built like this homemade giant Carlos Sainz head. And you could just have imagined how happy he was on Saturday to see uh, Carlos qualifying on pole. Vamos, Carlos! Yep. And then making a, you know, a, a reasonable start. You know, we do see cars uh, from that second position overtake up the hill. So that's not a big disaster. But then to be immediately taken out, that had to be the saddest trip home going home with your giant Carlos Sainz head after he completed precisely a corner. I kind of feel like in that spot, it's not so bad. Just put the head in the car, drive home. The <laughs> tough spot is like walking oh. through the parking lot yep, or the car exactly, park, as you exactly, guys call it. And exactly. everyone's kind of looking at you. And it's almost too sad it's too to sad. make fun of them. No, I would know? have gone home it's, early. If that was me yeah, and Carlos yeah, Sainz yeah, yeah. gone out, you go home, you go, okay, I've had a... Had a good weekend so far. I'm just going to go home with my massive Carlos Sainz head. I'm going to turn it around on you, host man. Whose fault do you think that incident was, KC? What was your read? I'm always bad at this. I always joke that, especially on the first lap, I am so impressed with the way the broadcast handles <sighs> anything because I just don't have the eyes or the voice or anything to decipher it. <laughs>
Um, it's a melee, isn't it? It's a melee into turn one. And even if you've got any experience of karting or sim racing or whatever, like you know that everybody has got their own agenda about where they're going to break, where they're going to turn. And then once you get like beyond the first guys, you've got a concertina effect. So the breaking from the first guy, the second guy has to make an allowance for it. By the time you get to the fifth row, you have to multiply that by yeah. 10. And it's an absolute nightmare. How there isn't more turn one in crashes, I don't know. If I broadcast, if I was the broadcaster, if I was crafty, my entire first lap strategy would just go, look at that. Oh look my at goodness. That. Wow. Race cars. Race Amazing. Cars. There they go. They're going so fast. <laughs> um, if I had to divvy up blame, I, w- I guess I would shade it towards Russell. Yeah, I mean, correct. I had to. So my, my take on that, though, is that Russell wasn't even looking at that battle ahead, you know. Right. So he, they, there was a lot of talk of like, oh, we're not really competing against, you know, each other, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Deep down in Lewis Hamilton's mind, he'll be saying that because he feels like he's better and he's got the, the backing of the team that ultimately they'll make him the number one driver mm-hmm. to get that eighth title same way they did with Valtteri Bottas, also an mm-hmm. incredibly good race driver. I think Russell's probably got a little bit more to prove. And we've seen this season, he's been very aggressive. I think low-key, he is one of the most aggressive people on the grid. But because he is so polite, you know, and, and mm-hmm. very kind of, very a very English politeness, and I assume very punctual and rarely late, <laughs> you, you don't kind of see it. But I think he's got he's got this rush of blood, this fire in his belly. He was looking at Lewis Hamilton to the right, and I could see what he was trying to do. He was trying to do a block pass. So he was on the inside of Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton gave him a little crowd at first to kind of narrow Russell's line, then went to the outside. I could see Russell. He came all the way from the inside to the outside, hoping that Lewis Hamilton would have to tuck in behind. Mm -hmm. That was foiled by Carlos Sainz getting checked up a little bit by Max Verstappen on the inside, and then Sainz going for the undercut. But Russell shouldn't have been anywhere near those front two if he was uh, minding himself to survive and get through. The fact is, if you come from the inside on any turn one and go all the way to the outside, thinking you're not going to hit a car, you're mm-hmm. dreaming. Plus, he was locked up. It's a very different, a difficult turn. Uh, you're going over the crest of the hill, so the front wheels are lighter than the rear wheels. It's a, it is a rush of blood, unfortunately. And I think I think Russell is going through the same phase and teethings mm-hmm. that Verstappen and Hamilton both had at various points in their career. Completely agree with you. Um, when we're talking offline, you talked about the number of battles that happened today. Loads, Max, so Max many. versus Leclerc, yeah. Max versus Lewis, Seb versus K Mag, America's, <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> America's team. Everyone, yeah. America's team. Latifi Schumacher you had in there. Um, so I guess, uh, what was your favorite battle today? Oh, I mean, the Latifi Schumacher one, I only put that in there. (laughs) It wasn't like a clash of the titans, I'll admit, but it demonstrated perfectly, and it was into turn one, this new rule. So in case any of the listeners are not really aware how these incidents are being judged this year, basically, if you are uh, overtaking on the outside and you can demonstrate that you've kind of got your front wing ahead by the apex, so you're the car Mm -hmm. ahead, you are then entitled to a little bit of racing room. Basically, if your rear wing is behind the car you're overtaking, then the the inside car can kind of go all the way to the outside and you're expected to either go off to avoid contact or tuck in behind. However, if you're ahead, the inside car has to leave you room. So this was a good example of that rule being enforced. Schumacher had got that overtake around the outside. His wing was ahead. Latifi then drove as if 
Schumacher was going to disappear and it was penalised. So as much as the FIA gets a, a bit of a bum rap in this, uh, for the performance of the stewards, <laughs> and it's fair to point out when they police those rules correctly. I, it's a good rule. It's not the rule I would have put in to police that kind of thing, but at least there is a rule and they seem to be policing that rule consistently. That's the only one I put in. Obviously, not the most exciting battle that happened today. Have you learned anything about ever? Lewis Hamilton this year? Oh. <laughs> or ever. Or ever. Have you learned anything ever? And then kind of a subsection of that is, have you learned anything about Lewis Hamilton this year? And the way he drives, his driving style, just the way our perception of him has developed this year. It's Rocky Five, isn't it, Kev? It's Rocky yeah. Five. You know, this isn't his battle against uh, Apollo Creed in Rocky Four. Or, or whatever Rocky about uh, Mr. T's character was called. I've completely forgotten. I've drawn a blank. <laughs> this, this is the the bare street fight kind of thing. He's had to be fighting in the midfield. And we did wonder whether he'd kind of forgotten what it was like to be in a fight by the time 2021 rolled around. He'd had two reasonably mm-hmm. soft seasons. The two seasons before that, he'd had Vettel challenging, but falling away. But this season, yeah. I mean, since they got rid of all the porpoising, You've definitely seen, for example, what's our best comparison we've got with Lewis Hamilton is versus George Russell. So we've seen a normalization of that gap. Probably Mm -hmm. what we've seen is what we would have expected at the start of the year, which is Hamilton clearly showing he's got a race pace edge, uh, but not necessarily a qualifying edge. And Mm -hmm. wheel to wheel, some people I know were a little bit disappointed with his defense uh, against Max Verstappen. He doesn't tend to guard the inside very selfishly. If those situations are reversed, Verstappen will be hugging the left, making someone overtake on the outside, and then trying to force them as as wide as they can on the outside. Hamilton seems to allow that inside take and try and hold it around the outside. So some people were disappointed. Some people thought he moved under braking, which it's possible that it was a little bit of a a late adjustment because the, the gap that Verstappen had at the beginning of that straight when the overtake finally happened Mm -hmm. was nearly 0.9. And by the time the corner came, he was more or less alongside. So it was a big delta that got made up there. Um, But yeah, I think we haven't seen Hamilton scrapping in a racing sense Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time he's been ahead of the midfield, but behind those, those front two teams. And then when we have seen him scrapping with Alonso, for example, at Spa, it hasn't gone very well. So I think it could be fair to say even at 37 or whatever Lewis Hamilton is, he's having a, a learning season. And mm-hmm. will that make him stronger as he as he gets into a, a competitive car next season? Hopefully, uh, as far as he's concerned, you know, maybe. Is he showing signs of ageing? I mean, not on the scale. He's a lot younger than me and he's holding up better than I am. Is there is there another year for Lewis Hamilton to use the lessons learned from this year to fight again, to fight hard next season? That's the question, isn't it? Do you want an answer? Have we... I, I, first of all, a lot of people are yelling into their phones, into their cars, whatever it is, that Mr. T's character was named Clubber Lang. Oh, of course it yeah. was. Curse yeah. you. Never have me on again. I'm ashamed of myself. Um... Uh, we have not gotten a verdict on Alonzo v. Lance Stroll, which was oh. the biggest crash <laughs> oh, man. today. Uh, I, the last report I saw, we're recording this right now in, in the 5 p.m. hour Eastern time. Um, the last t- update I got was that they're it, with the stewards right now. Uh, man, that was, a, that was a tough crash, Spanners. 
I've been watching this on a loop um, just to try and decipher it. I think you need to throw the book at Lance Stroll on this one. He's got previous of not really using his mirrors, of making these strange defences. And I think there's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind at all that it's Lance Stroll, Stroll's fault 100%. And I, I know there'll be some people out there defending him. A lot of people, there's like a small hardcore following of Lance Stroll fans who think he can do no wrong. But when defending, he has got this habit of just misjudging it and, and cutting across people. Here, it's very, very clear. He's on a straight. There's a big overspeed. Uh, Fernando Alonso gets in the drag, holds that kind of draft position on the straightaway as long mm -hmm. as possible, goes out to make the overtake. Stroll sees that, jinx immediately in front of him and, and blocks and, and basically turns that into a, a crash that was very, very hairy, unbelievably Fernando Alonso up onto two wheels for about eight miles, smashes into a wall at 700 miles an hour. And the result of that is that his wing mirror was slightly wobbly. But that was, I, I don't want to judge because I don't know what it's like to drive a Formula One car. From the outside, it seemed like quite a typical Lance Stroll move. It seemed a little brain dead. And, and I hope that that is clamped down on. If it's not, I would wonder what a driver would have to do to get a race ban, frankly. This episode is brought to you by ArmorAll. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use ArmorAll to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, ArmorAll, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this. Now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Mobile One. The Mobile One brand knows podcasts are a great escape. You can listen to people talking about living and maybe even driving, but of course, there's no substitute for the real thing. So the next time you're looking for an escape, try an actual escape. Take this podcast for a ride in the car and immerse yourself in the drive, because sometimes the best way to escape reality is to truly live in it. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash the ringer to learn more. I saw some people saying that, who are the Lance Stroll fans? Because I made a joke about Canadians being very into Latifi a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. And I got a handful of DMs from Canadians. I love our I love our neighbors to the north. Um, saying they there's not a strong Latifi contingent there, isn't it? And there? so I don't know. 
if they've trained, I don't know if it, there's a stroll contingent there or it's just it's just different. I'm not. I don't know. I don't know where the where the stroll hive comes from. Well, look, look, you know, drivers can attract a fan base based on either nationality or their personality. Um, it has been a while since the stroll podiums, but he does have a reputation for picking up wins in changeable conditions and where others might fall down and fly off. He has been kind of consistent, getting round there, no rush of blood, except when it comes to these weird defending positions. And I'm sure if you search Lance Stroll doesn't use mirrors, you will find compilations <laughs> of all the times from his junior career into F1 as well, where he has just turned in on people. It, it happens time and time again. I just saw a NASCAR pit accident that uh, actually made me gasp. So Erica has to... Uh, Edit that. Everything's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. We're all good. Hey, leave it in Erica. Just the, the, the sheer thrill of a NASCAR pit stop. Are you podcast hosting a, a top F1 podcast and watching NASCAR at the same time? No, I got, no I've just got a bunch of things going on. Your I'm talents at, have no, no bounds. <laughs> I can if barely anything, walk and chew if gum. Anything, if anything, I'm trying to watch this Chargers Seahawks game, but I'm not going to get, thank God I don't have to pod about <laughs> football until tomorrow. So I get to rewatch all of these games I'm half watching while trying to figure out who likes Lance Stroll, which is the biggest question of all. Packers aren't very good right now, can figure that out much easier than who likes Lance Stroll. Um, Sebastian Vettel, throwback race. Um, we got a bunch of questions when we, we asked for, for listener questions earlier today, Spanners saying, should Vettel reconsider his retirement? Will he reconsider his retirement? Should he get a competitive seat next year? I don't think Sebastian Vettel is even thinking that right now. I think he has a lot of interests. I think he knows he's about done. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't appreciate drives like this today, Spanners. This was great. No, I know. It's because last season and next season, it, you, you know he was being replaced by, obviously, Fernando Alonso. Mm -hmm. And uh, how did Fernando Alonso and his future teammate Lance Stroll get on today? Well, that's going to be fun, isn't it? When they turn up the first day <laughs> for, at work at Aston Martin. Um, so, yes, Sebastian Vettel. Now then, the, the things that looked best today were after that botched pit stop, really. Like, he did a great overtake on Albon, which mm -hmm. is obviously, you know, a, a lesser car than him. He did an amazing overtake around the outside of that fantastic mirrored turkey complex towards the end of the, the lap. And that was on the round the outside of Kevin Magnussen and then really brave on the brakes before the double left-hander. That was amazing. That's against a Haas, which is really not at the level of, um, of an Aston Martin at the moment as well. So I'm not doing that down because before that, on pace alone, both Aston Martins were looking good. Why they suddenly were looking good at Circuit of the Americas where they've looked a bit meh all throughout the season and have definitely looked bottom half, I don't know. But the car looked good. They were going well. And then when Vettel had to make the best of dropping down, I think to 13th mm -hmm. or 12th at some point, the moves through that pack of four past, you know, Gaz, past the Alpha Tauris and then past Magnussen, past Albert, he really did look good. It looked glorious, but I would say it is a, a shadow, an echo of glory's past. I don't think that this one race is a sign that he should turn around and, t and tell Alonso, no, I'm sorry, I'm keeping this, this place. I think he's made the right call, if I'm honest. He, he peaked. He had a really good run at Red Bull. He had another chance at, at glory at, at Ferrari that mm -hmm. didn't go well. But my goodness, it was a fair push. And then he's had this, this era at Aston Martin where, yes, he's been in the midfield, 
But as a person and as an ambassador for the sport, he's been magnificent and he's been a wonderful character. The time is right. We had Scott Mitchell on midweek and he's, we were talking about Ricardo's future in F1 and he was saying that there just aren't that many seats that make sense. And he kind of flippantly said, and he understood as he was saying it, how funny this is. He's like, well, you know, one, the only real pathway is if the strolls and Fernando Alonso have a bus stop. And it's like, well, oh, <laughs> well wait a second here. <laughs> and then it wait a second. Not oh only that, goodness. but I mean, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of possibilities for that kind of thing to happen. So stand by, Ricardo. Just don't don't go anywhere. Don't sign any NASCAR contracts just yet. I don't think he's going to. I think he is looking at a reserve role. Seems to be the strongest rumors, and I I don't think it's as bad as everyone's making out. Do you take that seat at Haas and go and uh, show that you can beat Kevin Magnussen, who's maybe on that same kind of you know level as say Hulkenberg, who he beat at his right. last uh, run out at Renault? Do do you do that and show? Oh look, I can beat Magnussen, or do you hang around and go reserve role? Lewis Hamilton wins 2023, retires, and now suddenly you're in a Mercedes. I don't think it's as a poor a decision as people are making out. And uh, if that is what he does and it doesn't work out and he doesn't get that seat, I'm sure you get a bit of pocket money for being associated with Mercedes yep. and doing press work. Also, I, I, I think he has quite a capacity to make money. I don't think he's going to be mm. racing full-time anywhere. I, don't, I think he's a few years away from any sort of American racing adventure. I agree with you. He's going to want to stay relevant. And also, like, we always... I, I say this all the time in football, and I'm going to say it in F1 right now. Like, we always say what we would do, right? Like, we would travel the yeah. world with our millions, mm. and we would never step foot in a race car again and we would you know sign some media deal and, and live a cushy life and have, have five Lobster houses Lobster Thermidor on a Tuesday is what I exactly would do exactly right but there's also the little uh, the little fact that we are not like the reason <laughs> we're not top F1 drivers is because we have that mentality like we always want to retire guys <laughs> happens all the time in football and I'm sure it used to happen especially when F1 was, was, a, was a more dangerous sport where it's like well he's made his money so you know he can just ride off into the sunset <laughs> guys aren't wired like that the guys who were wired like that stopped competing a long time ago. Well, hang on. Challenge. Ricardo left the top three team, Red Bull, yep. to go to Renault on reportedly a $40 million a year contract. That sounds to me like a retirement plan. Okay. Let me, let me challenge that. Oh, it's okay. It's still Whoa. racing and it's yeah. still competitive. At the top level. It's still racing. Yeah, at it's the top still level. Yeah. racing. You, he didn't go to, he didn't try to like, he didn't take somebody's money to go do the, you know, be some some rich guy's like Le Mans driver. Like it wasn't Well counted, that. sir. It, it was, it's, it's still competition. That happened. I don't think, I don't look at, at it in, in the competitive aspect. I don't, I don't think it matters if someone goes from Bayern Munich or Real Madrid and goes to Spurs or Arsenal for more money, I don't say that they're not competitive. I know that sometimes that's always the, the, the line, oh, they lack ambition or whatever. Sometimes I think it's just the opposite. As long as you're trying to do something in the competitive arena, as long as you're a man in the arena, right? The old Teddy Roosevelt thing. Um, I don't, you probably don't even know who that is. But, um, but he, uh, if you don't know who Bill Belichick is, you definitely don't know who Teddy Roosevelt is. Fair um, enough. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, uh, but I, I don't, I, I think he wants to be in the competitive outlet. That, that's, that's, that's just the long and the short of it. Yeah, and he certainly isn't in a competitive situation today. I, I saw people on Twitter wondering if the horse he rode in on was also the vehicle he used on track. Because <laughs> I saw him at the bottom of the time, timing screens and you looked at Norris's early performance and apparently he picked up some debris from the Alonso stroll crash. 
uh, and then was able to fight through the pack and actually looked really great slicing through the pack. He could have done a lot better without that damage. So initially I thought, oh, well, maybe McLaren's off the pace. And he said, well, what happened to, to Daniel Ricciardo? Because he was languishing in 15th, 16th. And well, it was nothing. So it's not looking good. I, I still maintain that that kind of gap between drivers cannot just be explained by a talent difference. Whatever is going on there, I think if I was Ricardo, I would be tempted to pull a Kimi Raikkonen in 2013 mm-hmm. when he suddenly just claimed, oh, I've got a terrible back. I cannot possibly continue. Uh, uh, by the way, I also have a contract with Ferrari. Bye. See you later. <sighs> it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes. Some driver news we do have is that Logan Sargent looks lined up for Williams next year. We knew about that. We talked about it midweek. With Scott Mitchell, mom, um, this this seems to make sense for everybody. Yeah, well, w- Williams need to move away from the the driver, the pay driver, the the specific mm-hmm. buy in driver model. And people seem very enthusiastic about Logan Sargent. I don't know a great deal about him. However, we are well overdue having an American. I I keep thinking that Williams have fouled themselves going all the way back to Sorokin and Stroll in that seat not getting out of Q1. And I I just don't believe that car was a knocked out in Q1 car. And that had to hamper development. And it just feels like the whole end of the, the Williams family era was a controlled decline. You know, it's a measured mm-hmm. decline. How can we decline losing the least money? How can we decline saving the most face? How can we decline and still keep this hope of going racing as an independent again? And and the the clutching at by drivers was the way to survive and that legacy has obviously continued a little into Latifi but now that Derolton is a US firm have control of Williams mm-hmm. and I think they have the ambition to break away from that so my hope for Williams which is a team I've been supporting since the 80s is that they go into next season with two great drivers so uh, but maybe Sargent doesn't have to be a compromise because of the marketing possibilities to the U.S. audience. Yes, agree. Although I will, I will challenge you on one thing. Uh, you have not been supporting Williams in C80s because you're neutral. Oh, that's oh, good point. Thank you. I forgot my famous neutrality for just a second. The mask <laughs> slipped. No, I can't hide it. I can't hide that. Since Nigel Mansell with the Red Five, uh, all the way through with uh, Damon Hill, Coulthard, Senna, I have always backed that wonderful blue car. Wonderful. What is the difference? In like, if you would pick, is if if you are a typical British fan, born in 1980, like who is your, like what is what is the the average fan? <laughs> what is it? What is how do where do the support? What is their support? Yeah, like? and obviously back then, uh, as as is now, there's a national default, and we have been spoilt for British drivers. So yeah, there was you know there's really a kind of McLaren Williams bias, I would say in general, mm-hmm. and if you were. He started watching young enough, then Nigel Mansell and those battles with um, with Prost uh, would have you know been in your brain, but you'd not quite registered it, uh, but you knew it was going on, but you didn't know the nuance. Uh, but then, very much the formative teen years would have been Damon Hill versus Michael Schumacher, and right. then Schumacher taking out Damon Hill quite deliberately and breaking his wishbone and taking that championship, and then the redemption as two years later Damon Hill clinches the title. At Suzuka, I think most British fans resonate with that. I don't think I would be a Damon Hill fan now if that was happening now. But at the time, the whole country was behind him. 
I want to, Sean Kay has asked us to, to settle the predictions for each constructor's championship fight. Ferrari Mercedes right. second, Alpine McLaren fourth, Alpha Aston Martin sixth, Haas Alpha Tauri eighth. Which one do you want to go on? We'll go in for one of these. Oh, well, Which one am I predicting on? to be second this year? Second, fourth, sixth, or eighth. You can pick any <sighs> of these teams. Any, okay, any well, of these battles. I don't want to do all four. Uh, Anything I think you're hot on. Ferrari are not coming back. They they checked out. They 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 were quite quit. Quite quit. They quite quit. I think they did quite quit. You'd hope they're turning their attention to 2023, but just the way they are just wrecking tires. I mean, even look at Leclerc today. Did a valiant job today. Great overtake on Sergio Perez. I think down into turn 11 at the end of the back straight. Wonderful controlled braking, and you could see. I haven't watched it in slow motion yet, but I want to watch it in slow motion because I think both drivers changed their minds, changed steering angle, changed brake pressures, and it was absolutely glorious. It was a good defense from Perez, and Leclerc had no right to sneak down the inside of that, but he did manage it. But then when he was in that battle with Verstappen, you thought he was going to follow him all the way to Hamilton, but that gap broke away to four seconds because they weren't making those mediums last. So... If Mercedes' resurgence lasts through Mexico into Lagos and Abu Dhabi, then I would say that it looks like Mercedes are going to have the measure of Ferrari possibly over the last three races. Uh, but I would still say that it is Verstappen and Red Bull that are going to be picking up all those wins. Do you remember when I came on your podcast and you asked me for a hot take and I said that this was Ferrari's last best chance to win <laughs> a driver's championship <sighs> in this in this yeah. set of regulations, and I was laughed off the pod. I think I was right. <laughs> uh, well, it, I think we, if we laughed at you by saying that Ferrari would have infinite chances no, going forward. You, you, you just you gave me the whole, well, Ferrari normally does this going forward. And I said, no, I, I know Ferrari, and I know the other teams, and mm. I'm all set with my prediction. <laughs> so Ferrari do overpromise and underdeliver, and that has been Classic. that has been that has been the Same. case since Schumacher. There's, but there were so many seasons, even in the hybrid era, where they looked like they were they, they looked great in qualifying. And I wonder if there's a corporate pressure to look good in every session. So to look good in yes. testing, to look good in Friday practice, and then that fades away. And even at the beginning of the season, with managing cost cap budgets and upgrades, yes. you can get a lot of attention if you maybe spend all your money immediately and look quite good at the beginning, and then maybe no one forgets when you fade away. Or there was a classic one in 2014 where Williams didn't have a sponsor, and then they suddenly topped the testing times randomly. In yeah, I remember testing, that. And they got Martini as a sponsor, yeah. and you go, ooh, ooh, they've pulled a fast one there. So yep. I, do, I, I wonder whether there's a, a mentality in Ferrari sometimes where they go, it's not all about the whole season or even the whole weekend. It's how do I get through tomorrow how do i get through friday what's going to look good right now so i as a modern f1 fan i feel like i'm always going to bet against ferrari in anything near an equal fight just because of their philosophy do you golf i tried to golf but my two okay. terrible children ruined it there's a graph you can see my handicap right and and it goes it was going down it was going down and then you can see when my first kid was born and there was a blip and then you can see when my second kid was born and it spikes all the way back up again so I came to golf quite late, but I've al I always played 
in high press situations, like with my bosses or people that I need, I can't, I never play with like my friends. Okay? Career like, sticks. Like, That's what you call it. It's yeah. Career sticks. Especially when I was in LA. Especially when yeah. I was in LA. I, I play with my friends a lot more, like my close friends a lot more now. When I first started, it was a lot of bosses, a lot of people in, in the media industry, whatever. So my entire game is just to look good at the very beginning. So it's a, <laughs> I, I can drive it. I look amazing off the yep. tee because the whole the thing same. is don't be embarrassed. Don't, don't embarrass yourself. And and always look impressive when it matters the most. But I don't actually same. score well. Like if you saw my drives, you'd be like, "This guy <laughs> is unbelievable." And then I shoot like 102 because I can't chip. I can't exactly. putt. But who chipping and putting is for losers. Like I don't. I don't. Good. I just want to look cool. And that's yeah. Ferrari. They ju- they it need is. to impress because they're always in a high pressure environment. But the actual details don't matter. Yep, absolutely. And like I said, like I'm a, I'm a little bloke with a big drive and that, that always looks spectacular. I look like a helicopter, the angle of my driver when I hit it. It looks like I'm about to take off. Uh, but by the time we get to chipping and putting, I'm gone. And yeah, unfortunately, I, I do think that Ferrari is in that same bracket. It's a great analogy. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm covering five sports today. It's all, yeah. it's all coming together. I didn't know I was going to be able to throw golf in, in as well. Uh, anything else from, from this Sunday? Uh, anything we should know about Mexico City? Oh, Mexico City. Okay, it's an interesting track. Things to note for Mexico City. It's high altitude, which does a few things. It means you've got less aero to work with. So DRS is possibly less effective. Mercedes tend to struggle, I think. Um, Mercedes, if my memory is is correct, uh, you know, because obviously you've got a different air mixture going through the mm-hmm. engine. We're going out of my, my expertise level here, but you tend to see Mercedes struggling a little bit in the same way they might struggle in the high temperatures uh, of Singapore, for example. The racing, I feel, is a little stunted through the stadium section. The stadium section is spectacular. I would love to go there as a fan. It's amazing. They have a festival. It looks like a great venue. Unfortunately, what the layout does through the stadium is it, it bunches the cars up, but you can't overtake and then they all have to wait their turn to accelerate down the home straight. So you get this gap developing, forced by the stadium section, which means by the time you get to turn one, no one really has an overtaking opportunity. So that's something to look out for. Can the newer cars with more uh, ground effect, with maybe some more mechanical grip, can they follow better through the stadium section to then, you know, affect overtakes into turn one. Uh, but it's a festival. I think it is one of those tracks. Treat it like you would treat a street circuit. Low expectations for passing, but just absorb everything that's happening with the crowd, the DJ, the atmosphere, because it really is a festival. Spanners, you, we will be back. We're doing the final two races together. So yeah. next week is going to be... Some some ringer guests, some special ringer in-house ringer some guests. Some mug. Who, some, who who dares replace we're gonna Spanners? Have Megan Schuster and then somebody I've never Oh, she's great. <laughs> she's really she's great. She's the best. Megan, yeah, you guys yeah. have done it before too. Yeah, you definitely. Remember I, one time, uh, you know this. So when you guys did, you, Juliet, and Megan did the driver market thing and I was in my yeah. camp tour and I couldn't do it. The <laughs> bit was going to be, I was going to join for like 10 seconds and then just say hi and then leave. And you saw me and you sent me a, a message, but you guys were just rolling. And I was like, <laughs> I can't interrupt this. I was at Chiefs uh, practice, Kansas City Chiefs yeah. practice. And I was just like, I'm just going to hang up now. Like you guys, uh, you that's guys gonna be, got this. That's going to be a great chat. But if you need me for Interlagos, which is possibly my third favorite track on the whole calendar, I am going to be looking forward to that. I will see you then. I'm so excited. Uh, Spanners, 
Thank you. Thank you to Erica Cervantes for production help. We will see you midweek for an episode. We have a bonus episode. Um, if you did not listen to Valtteri Botas, uh, that is also the previous episode on this feed. Uh, and yeah, we will see you this week. This has been the Ring Rap One Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 